Well, good morning once again. Um, I didn't introduce, my, introduce myself last time. My name is Pastor Jason. I'm the lead pastor here at Corbett, and it's uh, my honor to, to be here speaking with you this morning. Uh, if you're visiting with us this morning, uh, you picked a great Sunday to come. <laughs> Money talks, eh? Or maybe this is your first march with us. Maybe you've, uh, you've only come in the past year. Uh, we take, uh, as a church, we take uh, three or four weeks in the middle of March uh, to talk about something so uplifting. Uh, as money, and money can be a difficult topic, right? Like, it can be touchy, but you know what? I think we should face those head on, Uh, and I believe that we're called to be uh, generous people and a generous church, and I know that when our finances are tight, it's really hard to be generous, but when we're released from our finances, when we have a little more margin in our life, it is so much uh, easier to be generous as a church and to be generous as a people. So that's why we are facing this head-on. Uh, and for the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at five biblical principles uh, that I try to apply to my personal finances and that we as a leadership try to apply um, as we manage the funds that you so faithfully give uh, every week. And uh, my promise to you is that if you, if you adapt these principles, if you apply them to your, your finances, you will get control of them. If you, if you buy into this, if you, if you come every week uh, and apply these principles to your finances, you will see a notable change. This sermon series uh, has been adapted uh, from a teaching by Ron Blue. He's a, uh, a financial advisor who wrote a book called Master Your Money. And in his book, he says that there are five stages to our financial journey. We are struggling, surviving, stable, secure, or in surplus. Now, I bet if we took a survey this morning of, of everyone who's here, and uh, we won't do it, we won't raise our hands or anything, but you take a mental, a mental note of yourself, um, there, would, there are probably some of us here who are struggling. You're behind in some payments, you've got some bills that are starting to pile up, the creditors are calling, you can barely make ends meet. It's a struggle. Your finances are a struggle. There are those of you here who are living paycheck to paycheck. You're just getting by. You're barely making it to the end of the month before you make it to the end of the money, and you're surviving. There are those here who are, who are living within their means, and you've been able to tuck away a few dollars here and there and, and save up for some of those big purchases, and, and you're stable. You're stable. And then there are some of you uh, who've been able to meet some of those long-term goals. You've been able to save money for your child's education. You've been able to pay down uh, most of your debts. You've been able to take and put a few extra dollars, a few extra thousand dollars on your mortgage to kind of get rid of that, get rid of that thing. And you would be considered secure. And the, the economy can take a bit of a dip like it has in the past week or so, and, and you kind of ride that out, and you're okay. You can, you can feel through that. You'd be secure. And there are those on the other side who have more than enough, and we would call those people living in surplus. And you face a different issue. The question is, is have you earned enough? Have you met the limit, and are you, are you now getting to the side of greed uh, now that you've got surplus? Or have, do you need to continue to be earning? And over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking and examining those, uh, those five, or those, uh, yeah, those five um, stages. When Marla and I started out our life together, uh, we started on the bottom level. We were struggling. We uh, we just finished college. Uh, we'd just gotten married. We didn't have any kids yet, which is a whole other struggle. Uh, 
I had, I had, uh, I had debt from college and, and all of that, and, and we had just moved from uh, Sussex, the booming metropolis of Sussex, uh, to Halifax, and, and she had a job where she was making, get this, a whopping nine twenty-five an hour. That's super comfortable, huh? 2002, not bad. 2000, or sorry, 2005, not bad. Uh, but I was making uh, an abundance of blessing at the church I was working at. Um, I was getting nothing. Uh, there was no financial benefit uh, coming in there. I was learning. It was part of my education. So we were living on 925, and to say that it was a struggle uh, may even be an overstatement it was, or an understatement. It was difficult. And I know that some of you are in that step today. And we usually are looking to move from one step to the next. If you're struggling, you don't want to be struggling. You want to at least get to surviving. And if you're surviving, you want to move to being stable and so on. So let's, I, want to, I want to approach those and let you know there's two caveats. The first is that if you are in the stable category, that's okay. That's a good place to be. That is, that is comfortable. Um, you, you may be there right now because you've got kids. You're, you're stable. You're doing all right, uh, but you're kind of, it's razor thin, right? The margins aren't super high, um, but if you're stable, if you can live your life in the stable category, that's all right. We don't have to move to secure and to surplus we would want to, but we don't have to. If you're, if you're instable, uh, you're doing all right. The second thing I need you to know is that it is okay to take a step back from time to time. And that's the reality of our finances. That you might be living securely and something may happen. Some big bill or some life change may happen and you might step back to stable or even to surviving or struggling. But we need to take those into account and make a good uh, estimate of where we're at. So this morning, ask yourself, where are you in this scale? And maybe you're asking right now, okay, so how do I get to the next step? How do I, how do I get from struggling to surviving and surviving to stable? And the answer lies in these five biblical principles that we're going to be covering throughout the course of the series to help you get to the next step. First, spend less than you earn. Second, avoid the use of debt. Build margin, that's to save set long-term goals, and give generously. These are five biblical principles that will work no matter what your income, whether you make $175,000 a year or $25,000 a year. These principles will make it work for you. Today I want to tackle the one which is probably the hardest of them all because it's very difficult to do. To, to, it's the hardest to master because of the world we live in. In a world that's always telling us that we need more and more and more stuff. Has anybody been to Costco this week? How low was your bill? I mean, how high was your bill? Right? Like, and then they sell everything in multi-packs, right? You can't just get it with one. I've asked. They will not separate them. I don't know why, but they will not do that for you. Um, but it, it, it's built around this idea that you want more. You want salsa? Why not two? You know, you want a, a bag of chips? Why not 485 million grams of chips? That's an exaggeration. Although, John, maybe you can look into getting that bag size for us at Costco. How's that sound? Um, and speaking of chips, uh, I love chips. It's like my guilty pleasure. I can't just have one. So I'm feeding into that just can't have one too in my own uh, dietary life. But that's the world we live in. You can't just have one. You, you always have to have more. So how on earth do we spend less than we earn? You have a decision to make. You have to battle and fight to get this to happen. You can't just say, you know what, I'm going to spend less than I earn and then do nothing about it, okay? 
There is, there is a fight that's going to have to happen between yourself and your, and your paycheck and your pocketbook. Does anybody have a pocketbook anymore? And your bank account, we'll go with that one, um, to make this happen. And this pr- principle is foundational to your financial strength. If you don't get this one, you're in trouble. It is foundational to your financial strength. And it's also the reason that most of us get into trouble. So what happens if you don't buy into this? What happens if you don't buy into this idea of spending less than you earn? What's your only alternative? To spend more than you earn. When I was uh, the ripe old age of 19, I got my first real job. I was a paperboy before that. That's not a real job. I know. Sorry, Nick. Um, He's giving me a lot of feedback today. It's great. Uh, I was a paper boy. I was, uh, I was a sandwich artist for a month. Um, although that is a real job, I did not take it seriously, so I don't classify it as a real job in my own mind. Uh, and I, was, uh, I worked in a lumber yard for a summer, um, and that wasn't really hard work uh, at the place I was working at. So again, I didn't classify that as a real job. My first real job where I had to, it was like a nine to five kind of thing. I was, I was in there every week and, and whatnot, um, and I had union dues and all of that stuff. Uh, I made a whopping $7.11. Was I rolling in it, right? But here's the thing. By the time I was done working there and heading off to college, I had none of it left. I had burned through every nickel and dime. And back when they had pennies, I had burned those too. I got through all of them. I didn't have much to show for it. I had a car and a new base. That's it. That's it. I couldn't, I couldn't amount for it. And there were times... Uh, in, my, in, my, in my, my financial journey within that, um, I had to pay rent to my parents. Uh, they said you could either go to school and live here free, or you can work and, and pay rent. And it wasn't a lot. It was like 25 bucks a week. But there were times when I did not have enough to pay that $25 a week at the end of the month. And I thought, you know, man, if I can just earn a little more, you know, I'll just go in to talk to my boss and, and maybe he'll give me like an extra two cents an hour or something. Like I can get a good raise and that'll solve all of my problems, right? That'll make everything better. You see, most people try to attack this principle of spending less by trying to earn more. They think that the problem is that they're not earning enough. And most conversations I've been in where we're kind of looking at finances and, and people are struggling with their finances, we, we don't really talk about the spending less. We only want to try and earn more. If I only had more money, and, and don't get me wrong, earning more money is a legitimate conversation. It's a, it's a part of, of growing financially. It's a part of growing in your career. But the scripture talks about a problem with earning more. It's found in Ecclesiastes 5, verses 10 and 11. It says this, Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. What he's saying there, what Paul is saying, is that the more you earn, the more you're going to want. The more you spend, if you you just continue to spend everything you've got, you'll never, ever have enough. And verse 11 goes on to say this, the more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? We live in a world that will help you spend as much money and more than you have. It's just the way that it is. It's the way that uh, the economy is designed. It's the way that our, our social class is designed. It's the way that Facebook is designed to help us see what other people have and us want to have 
that. Have you ever been on Facebook and, and kind of, you, you see a post, and do you find yourself looking in the background going, oh, that's nice. How'd they get that? Well, that's a nice car. Have you, maybe that's just me. Um, but that's the way our world is designed, is to, is to look for what we don't have. If you never solve the spend less part, earning more will not fix it. If you never solve the spending less part, earning more will not fix it. I had friends uh, in Halifax in our early, uh, early days that uh, we actually, we graduated at the same time, we got married at the same time, like uh, all of these things, and we ended up in the same city, which was really, uh, really neat and really great to have happen. Um, but they started going through some financial troubles. They were, uh, they were in the same situation or similar situation as Marla and I. You know, she was earning, uh, he was earning very little um, at the church she was at. And uh, they found themselves barely able to make ends meet. They were, they were struggling, and, and they, they came to us and said, how are you guys doing it? How are you guys managing, you know, to, to get through and, and to be able to, um, to, to keep your head above water? So I started asking them some questions about, you know, how much debt they were carrying and, and whether they've taken steps to, to mitigate that and, 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 and looking at their finances. And, and finances can be a really personal thing. It can be a really invasive thing if you're not willing to open them up and have a hard conversation about it, um, you can get roadblocked really quickly. So he was, he was willing, he opened up, and, and we talked through some things, and I noticed in his budget there were some things that, that and these aren't bad things. They were not bad things. He, didn't, he wasn't you know, out you know, spending more on, on uh, you know, fast food or liquor or, or smokes or gambling. He wasn't doing any of those things that, were, that, are, that are wasteful at times. Uh, he was just doing the regular things that he felt he needed, and there was... There were things that the world said he had to have in order to be connected to this world or be a part of this world that, that he just wasn't willing to cut out of his life. He wasn't willing to take stock of what he had at his fingertips, the resources he had at his fingertips, um, and move to a place of action within that. He, wasn't, uh, he ended up going into more and more debt to stay afloat. Uh, in his book, Ron Blue tells of a conversation that he had with a retired pastor who never earned more than $8,000 in a year. And he says this, I met this humble man because he wanted to know if he had enough financial resources to live out the rest of his life. At the time of this question, he was 80 years old and he had been retired for 20 years and his wife had just begun to require full-time nursing care. His question, therefore, was a justifiable one. As I generally do, I began to ask some questions before giving advice. First, I asked him if he had any debts. His response was no, and he went on to say that he never borrowed any money. And I asked, why not? He said, because if I borrowed money, I would have to pay, pay it back someday, and he couldn't afford to pay off debt, feed his family, and give to the church. My second question was, then what resources that he, did he presently have at his fingertips. And he said that he had about $35,000 in savings and over 250000 in retirement. The problem is not usually earning money. It's managing it. And the scripture tells us that we're managers, we're stewards. We're supposed to manage the funds that we have that have been given to us by God. And this realization, this understanding that, that, that what we have is not ours, it's God's, it's, it's fundamental to understanding and being able to cope with spending less than you earn. First Chronicles says this in chapter 29. It says, Then David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. 
O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on the earth is yours. O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion people are made great and given strength. And Psalm 24 says this, The earth is the Lord's, to put it more simply, and everything in it. It's a big everything. It's an all-encompassing everything. And if you buy into this concept and understand the scriptures to be true and, and realize that everything is God's, and that needs to radically change the way that you look at money. Every dollar I have is not mine. Every, uh, the home I own is not mine. The house I have is not mine. It is all his. Every penny in my bank account is his. If you can get that mindset and that perspective into you, it then changes the way that you spend. Everything you spend, every spending decision is a spiritual decision. Now, I know that I may get some pushback on that. You're like, really? I need, that's every, every decision, everything I buy is a spiritual decision. Let me propose this to you. I'm not saying that you have to pray over the coffee that you buy, although you should be thankful for it. I'm not saying that you have to pray over every little small detail of where your finances go, but I think there's a perspective shift that needs to happen within us that it's all his. And we need to be using it wisely. Maybe your personal finances are, are, are in trouble because you've been faithful. You've given the portion uh, back to him, whether you've decided that's an 8, 10, 15, 20%. You have, you've given a portion back to him, and you say, God, you've got yours. Now leave the rest alone. That's mine. And if you're coming at it with that attitude, then maybe there's more of the world in your finances than there is God in your finances. He does allow us to have uh, all of it, but he asks us to use it to glorify him in every, in every case. Let me put it this way. Let's say that uh, we're, all, we're all sick, we're not feeling the best, so we all gather together today and we, uh, we pray and we ask God to, to heal us and, and to make us better. And, and then when we, we believe it, we know that he'll, he, he can do it and, and we leave here. But instead of drinking water, uh, throughout uh, the week, we, we decide to, to, to drink some type of poison into our, into our bodies. If, if we just decide to, to, to drink something that's not good for us, that we know is actually making us sick, and we continue to do that, and we wonder why God hasn't moved. Why hasn't God healed us? You see, there needs to be a change in our behavior, not just a change of our words and our, and our wants and our desires. There needs to be a change of our behavior. We must be willing to spend less. Than we earn. And that's hard, right? That's not, it's not easy. I'm not teaching you anything amazing or groundbreaking, but I, I hope that I'm bringing you something to struggle with and to wrestle with and to realize that spending less than you earn is difficult in this world. A small story, Marla uh, has gotten onto the bandwagon of, of buying her groceries online. Anybody else doing that? Yeah, you buy them online and then you just drive up like some baller who's like, Throw my groceries in the back, right? Like, it's just amazing uh, to, to be able to do that. And it's not a new concept. I don't know if you know that. Uh, probably 30, 40 years ago, you'd call up the local grocer and say, hey, uh, I need a, a bag of milk, uh, some bread, da-da-da-da. They, they could do that then, too. Um, 
but, it, but it's happening now again. And, um, and we've actually saved money by doing this. I know it seems odd, but we have. And, and the proof is that uh, Marla, Marla did her, her order up online, uh, got everything that we needed for the week, uh, and it was about 75 or $80. Okay, not bad. It was a light week for us. Uh, but then the system crashed. Uh, and it, and it kind of, it didn't save, so she actually had to go physically into the store, right? First world problems. Um, she had to go into the store and, and did her shopping, and when she was done, she paid $125, almost double. Not because she was reckless with what she was buying, but there were things that she noticed that were on sale, and, and oh, I could use that later on, and, but it changed. We doubled our grocery uh, bill for that week because of convenience because of what was perceived to us. Ad companies spend billions and billions of dollars a year to convince you to buy, you, buy what you don't need, to upgrade to the thing that isn't better than the one you have. It's part of our culture. It's where we are and where we live. We live in a world that's all about more, and we're called and we're trying to spend less. You see, the point that we need to come to, that, that, calls, that God calls us to, is to live differently. That's, that's having Christ in your life, that we are to live differently, that we are uh, to have different values and morals and, and, and all of that. And that, I believe, permeates and should permeate our finances as well. That we're not supposed to look the same as the world. We're supposed to be different. So I've talked a lot about spending less and the difficulties of it, but how do we actually do that? How do we spend less than we've earned? There's this really challenging concept that Paul talks about um, in Philippians. Let me read it to you. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. He says, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty with plenty or with little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. It's contentment. It's contentment. No matter where you are on your financial journey, whether you are surviving, struggling, stable, secure, or in surplus, we need to learn how to be content within that situation and lean on God. Contentment happens in this space, in this tension. I don't know if you know that, but contentment doesn't just happen. It's a tension we live in. In order to be content, we must be grateful. And without this, we can find ourselves driven. We can, we can, if, we're, if we're not grateful for what we have, we can find ourselves always wanting the next thing, always wanting the better. And if we're not grateful for what we have, uh, we can lean to the other side and become complacent, and it doesn't matter anymore. We need to live in tension of both, to be grateful for what God has given us, yet hoping for something more. And you've all seen this, uh, this take place, this, this tension or lack of gratefulness. Uh, if you've ever been at a child's birthday party or seen a child open gifts at Christmas time, right? They just rip through them so fast that they don't, even, they don't even know what they've got. Or they open it up and they go, well, this isn't what I wanted. I wanted the other type of Lego set. Or this, this isn't a personal experience, by the way. Um, you see that tension that happens. And we like to think it only happens in children. But it happens in each of us as well. We have to fight to be content so that we can spend less than we earn. The second thing we need to know is that we need to be able to celebrate when others succeed or are blessed above and beyond us. 
We live in a world where, where we think we all ought to get what the other person has, but that's not the truth. That's not the case. It's not the reality we find ourselves in. And we need to be able to celebrate when someone else succeeds. Because if you don't celebrate when someone else succeeds, um, you then place yourself in the spot of a victim. And you wonder, God, why not me? Why can't I have that? How come, how come that person gets the raise? How come that person gets the, the bigger house or the car, the whatever it is? You guys put your own thing in there. We get caught in that tension. So we must be grateful in order to be content. We must celebrate in order to be content. And the last thing is we need to honor God by following the principles that we're going to talk about over the next four weeks. Without these principles, without, without the ability to spend less than we earn, without uh, the ability to avoid debt at all costs, without uh, the ability to set margin and, and save some money, without the ability to set long-term goals and give generously, we end up dishonoring God with the gift that he's given us. And if we can be grateful, if we can be, uh, to learn contentment, to be grateful, man, I should remember the last one, right? To celebrate and to honor God with these. But there's a base challenge below all of that. You can't control your money until you can control your emotions. Proverbs 21, 20 says this, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools Fools spend whatever they get. I want to leave you with a couple questions. I'm going to invite the worship team, to the band, to come back up. I want to leave you with a couple questions. Look at where you are on that scale. Are you struggling, surviving, stable, secure, or in surplus? And I want to ask you, what's your choice going to be? Where, where, do, where do you want to be? Do you want to struggle all the time? I don't think any of us really do. Where do you want to be? Ask that question over the next four weeks. Where, 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 do, where do I want to be and where can I be that I'm honoring God with the finances that I have? And the second is, what's your choice going to be? Are you willing to fight the culture, to fight everything inside yourself, to spend less than you earn? Yeah, we've started a rhythm as a church uh, to talk about finances in just a real plain, simple way so that we can have control over our money rather than money controlling us. And, and you as a church have been uh, faithful and, and diligent in, in, in your gifts, and I want to thank you for that. I think there's freedom when we know how to handle our finances. I think there's liberty when we can be generous. So this morning, I wanna, I'm going to challenge you uh, we've, got, we've got four weeks, we've got 28 days to kind of get through, uh, to get through these, these four sermon series and four sermons. Um, I want you to show up. I want you to be here. I want you to, to build week after week on top of these things. And I, I'm going to toss out like a 90-day challenge. Maybe you've never tried it before or maybe you've tried it before. You've, you've kind of gotten half-hearted into this thing, but I want to challenge you to dive deep into this to spend less than you earn. Maybe you're wondering where to start. How can you, how do you get a handle on, on your spending? Today's just an introductory. Today's the challenge to, to spend less. If you want to learn a little more, I'm going to invite you to come back next week as we start talking about 
avoiding death. 